Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with me, Tim Sylvie, and Tom OF1, who's standing in for Harry Benjamin while he's out on commentary duties. This is the place where we meet a figure from the world of motorsport and dive into their lives and careers, often uncovering truths you never knew existed. We've sat down with Formula One drivers, team principals, touring car stars, Le Mans and IndyCar winners, famous broadcasters, content creators and pioneers, all to make sure that you get behind the visor and hear from the world's biggest and most interesting names. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they usually tell it right here. Check us out at motormouth.club, download our app, check out our regular Motormouth kart race where you can race alongside the stars and support our partners at Movember and the Brain Tumor Charity. And don't forget, please subscribe to our show, leave a review, it really makes a difference. Find us on all the major podcast channels. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Now today, alongside me, as always, is Tom McCluskey. Tom, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm slowly turning into Harry Benjamin. Um, I'm getting. I feel like I'm taller since yeah. I started uh, deputising. You so, look yeah, taller. It's good. It's good. You stand, don't you, <laughs> while you're doing this? Is that a standing desk, right? Sometimes, yeah. I'm sitting right now. It depends how I'm feeling. Sometimes my legs get a bit achy and I get a bit wobbly. So we're sitting down today. Fair enough. Um, now today we're going to be joined by um, someone who's racing IndyCar, Formula Two, and lots of other things. But um, as you know, Tom, I like to test you on your motorsport knowledge every week. And this week is no exception. And because of the IndyCar connection, we're going to start there. How's your IndyCar knowledge? You know what? It's getting better. Um, I'm definitely, I watched quite a bit. I watched the finale at Laguna Seca. Um, I've watched a few races um, that Tatiana's could was in as well um that's I guess it just, today. Give, just so, give yeah. away the guest before i've even started yeah. Jesus just first name you know <laughs> okay well let's uh let's test you. i've got three questions for you okay crack on let's do it when was the first IndyCar race held what year was the first IndyCar race held and if you can get within a okay. couple of years i'll give you the point so i think IndyCar started before F1, I think. 
So I'm going to say 1945. Absolutely. Miles away. Miles oh, away. So really? uh, it was actually, wow. unbelievably, 1909. Um, oh, wow. Okay. At, at Portland <laughs> in Oregon. So, um, Blimey. yeah, that's, that's really early. I mean, what the hell were they driving? Um, okay, question two. Who was the first female driver in an IndyCar race? And I will give you the options. Is it Janet Guthrie, uh, Lynn St. James, or Sarah Fisher? And I would have, I, I would have got this. Now I've heard those options. I would have, I would have got this. Mm. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I would. I'm just going to go um, Fisher. Go on. Why not? <clears throat> no. no. Oh, you got sound effects. Look at that. It's uh, Janet Guthrie. <laughs> Um, not out of two. This is not going well. Um, it's Janet Guthrie. It was 1977. She qualified and drove in the Indy 500. She also drove in 1977 in the Daytona 500. So she was a busy lady. Right. Last one for you. You can get the, you'll get this. So come on, come you, on. you and I recently took part in our karting race. And one of the people on track was M- Mr. Max Chilton, who's driven mm-hmm. um, obviously in Formula One and IndyCar. Mm-hmm. What was his best finish in the Indy 500? <laughs> Um, did, uh, Max, Max hasn't won it, has he? I, I, I don't seem to remember. He didn't, I remember him competing in it, but I don't think he won it. So I'm going to say P, P5. Oh, so close. So close. One away, P4. He actually, he led the race for about 50 laps, um, and came really close. And then it all unraveled in the last couple of laps. It was when I was managing him, actually, I know I just finished managing him and, um, and he had come like 18th, 19th in F1 forever while I was managing him. Then he hops across to IndyCar. He boots me out as his manager and then ends up fourth in the Indy 500. Um, you you know, it says a lot about (laughs) the quality of his management. Um, anyway, not out of three, poor effort. Terrible. Please improve for next time. (laughs) No, it was a good try. Those were you tough ones. Win, you can't win them all, too. You can't, you can't win, win them all, mate. Uh, right, shall we introduce today's guest? Let's do it. So today we're joined by a woman who was born in Colombia, starting her racing career in karts before moving into cars through Radicals, European F3 Open Series and Star Mazda into Formula Renault 2.0, British Formula 3, what was GP3, and then amazingly into Formula 1 as a test and development driver. She's also ticked off Formula 2, WEC, Le Mans, Super Formula and IndyCar. What a CV. Uh, we're here to hear t- about her life, thoughts, career, and opinions. Tatiana Calderon, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Just before we get into that, bear with me for two minutes. I must tell you about our new sponsors of the show, and it's one that means a great deal to us all on a very personal level here at the Motormouth Podcast. In 2021, Dana, the founder of Motus One, passed away suddenly and without warning whilst visiting family in the States. Dana was one of my very best friends. The legacy he left with his family and his business is incredible, and I'm hugely humbled and proud to have his booming business as part of this show. Sponsors are vital for our survival, and make sure we continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company needs event transportation, look no further than the team at Motus One. They have you covered anywhere in the world, From a single chauffeur-driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas, or motor coaches, find your transportation solution with Motus One. They've got offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe, and Africa, and will support your transportation needs regardless of location. Motus One is committed to world-class service at the very best rates to ensure your event goes off without a hitch. Contact them at motusone.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. A massive, massive thanks to Dana 
his wife Claudia, his kids, the rest of the Motus One team. Thank you for having faith in our show and joining us for season 12. Right, back to it. On with the show. Thanks for that introduction and for having me. I'm super happy to join you guys. And I bet that prize money for Max finishing oh. fourth was pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember what it was. It was in the region of, I think it was like half a million dollars, something like that. Um, which which will do nicely. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a well paid it's a well paid series. That pay for your services for what a couple of days, Tim? Had uh, a push, had <laughs> a push. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, Tatiana, where are you? Where are you joining us from today? Because your background's not given too much away, although it looks very colourful. I like it. Hey, that that's like my my background on all the interviews. That um, yeah, that thing was like okay. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna block it now. It's um, <laughs> I'm in Spain. Um, yeah, the moment after the the race in Monza, so back based in the in Europe for for a little while at least. Amazing, amazing. Well, we're going to rewind all the way back to the start where it all began. So I guess, first of all, Tatiana, when did racing first come onto your kind of radar? When Where did it all begin for you? Um, actually, it was like my sister. She She's seven years older than me. Now she's like my manager. And we started actually like competing at the same time. But she was the one who took me to a rental go-kart track near our house uh, in Colombia. And uh, I remember buying this five-minute ticket and then we were like doing the line again and again and then the, na- the day after. So that's how it all sort of started for us. Um, but then it also was like the, the same time as Montoya was reaching Formula One. So everybody was talking about him. We we just wanted to watch all his races and, and that's where I thought like okay I I want to be a Formula One driver so mm-hmm. that's that's my path and and I want to do that but it, it really started very natural and and I was really lucky I found that, my real passion for it very early that was your that's your sister Paola right so um yes. she she helped us organize this so shout out to her she's been really really good now now did you did you immediately take to karting you said it was a hobby to sort you know to, to start with but did you sit in the cart and think, oh, I've, I've actually got something here. There's there's talent that should be pursued. So I was like, I, I have a younger brother. He's like two years younger than me. And, and we used to like compete for everything. And he was not very good. So I was like making him look very, very bad. Uh, and some other boys that were there. So I thought like, ah, you know what? I, I actually like this and. I'm quite good at it, so I don't know if it was because I was a little bit lighter as well or something like that, but um, straight away, I just, like, besides the, the results, I just really like the the fact of, um, you know, you push yourself every lap, every corner, uh, people look at you like, you know, just it's the same lap or the same track all the time, but there's always something different about every lap. And I think I just like to to explore there and to push myself. So straight away, like I was with my parents, like, you know what, I, I wanna, can you buy me a go-kart? And it took me like a month to convince them because I was like every day, like telling them I want this, that. And uh, and that's how, how it really started. But it was just pure passion, not just result based, let's say. How quickly did it 
take for you to because how, how old were you when you first jumped into a kart sorry I was nine years old right okay so so was it um did it take how long did it take for you to kind of completely get consumed by it was it a very immediate thing or did you have kind of other hobbies and then you just gradually moved towards kiting uh, I think it took like two months maybe to to really you know go from the rental go-kart track to then like try a, a proper go-kart um, and then to like I fall in love as well with the like the technical side of things so uh, I remember the when when we finally bought our our first go-kart uh, with my dad we just took it apart then put everything back the wrong way so it was <laughs> all falling down uh, when we went testing but it was like fascinating to see just all these details and and how many things like you can change and influence your performance so i i just really fall in love with with the whole thing very quickly yeah it's it's easy to see how people can fall in love with go-karting it's such a laugh isn't it like it's it's proper raw racing and as we discovered tom and i were in a, in a race recently i wasn't racing i was i was organizing but tom was on track and it, everyone loves it, you know, from whether you're an XF1 driver or you're starting out and you're eight years old. It's such a cool way of racing. Now, let, let's fast forward a little bit. British Formula 3. So you've hopped across. You're the first woman to stand on the podium. It's a hugely competitive championship, British F3. There's lots of drivers that have been in Formula 1 that have started their career there. How do you look back at that time? Was it are those fond memories for you? Yeah, it was like... Um... The toughest times also because, you know, the level was extremely high. I was doing um, the British and the European where, like, you could, like, I think it was Ocon, like, Verstappen, Giovinazzi, Russell, Eilat. Everyone was competing on that series. So it was really tough. And it was, like, my first year on a with a rookie team. So it was really tough. So to like at the end of the year, I got this podium and it was like, a, okay, I'm on the right track. You know, everything is all this suffering. Um, the, the tough times are, are really worth the, the wait. And, and like you said, it was like everybody that was in Formula One had gone through British F3. So it was like, okay, I, I definitely can do this. Um, I proved to myself like I was in the right track. So uh, it's one of the best moments, definitely, uh, of of that year in particular, but in, in of my F3 career. Um, so yeah, it it definitely helped me to 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 bring up my my A game for for the following years. How was that? Um, just on a kind of personal level, moving away from Colombia and coming to Europe, because we hear that with so many drivers, whether they're you know from Asia or Oceania or or the Americas. You know, how did you find that transition? Because I know that can be quite difficult for a lot of, especially when you're so young as well, moving so far away from home. Well, it was really tough because also like you know, in Colombia, we don't have stations. So the winter, I remember the first winter was horrible. I didn't know how to cook. You know, I, I mixed all the things on the on the laundry. Uh, so oh, I, I screw all my, <laughs> my clothing. <laughs> Um, and, and then you, you know, you're, you're there alone with the time differences. I, I was like talking to my, my family all the time, but not having someone here was, was really tough. And then, uh, the way Europeans work, I mean, depending on, on which team I was with, 
you know, some of them are very, um, yeah, the opposite to to Latin Latin American people. You know, we we like to uh, to smile, to joke, to to feel the warmth, and any stuff at times to to even bring a smile out of their faces. <laughs> so yeah. it was really difficult the first few years, I have to say. But um, but then you get used to it. You start to to know other people and. Um, and then my sister came to to live with me, which was was a big help. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it can be lonely and very tough at times. When, I can I, I can imagine that cultural shift, especially because that's a big change from like Colombia to England in when it's pouring with rain in the winter and you've got miserable mechanics that just don't want to talk to anybody. And, you know, some of them are completely socially inept. So I, I can fuck off, sympathize with you completely. Um, but you did have some support along the way. Obviously, you had your sister. Um, I also read somewhere that you had some involvement with Susie Wolf. Um, and it's funny, her name crops up a lot when we're talking to female drivers who have had some sort of mentorship or involvement with Susie. At what point did she come into your career and, and how did she help? Yeah, I remember meeting Susie after um, I think it was I was racing for in Formula Three, um, the European one, and um, I got like called from from one of the Mercedes guys that that Susie wanted to meet me, um, and so I, I I went there super shy, not knowing what you know. I admire what she had done at at, at Williams, um, and. We started talking and, and then I, I sent her an, an email because it was a very interesting talk. And and then she wanted to sort of help me, guide me in, in a way. And uh, she was my manager for a couple of years uh, when I did F3 with Carlin and, and GP3. Um, but then, you know, how, how tough this world is sometimes, um, you know, some people were asking extra stuff for from her you know because she's she's Toto's wife so it was a very complicated decision for her to make and and we decided to to stop like the management uh part as as I joined Telmex in Escuderia Telmex uh, from from Latin America from Mexico uh but I'm very grateful for for all the the doors she she opened for me and you know we still talk from from time to time when whenever I need some uh, other side of, of things how, how to look at, at different opportunities she's, she's always been there um, to, to consult so that's nice to see women supporting women yeah I was gonna say because obviously throughout your career and especially kind of in the early days did, did you feel that did you feel that as a as a female in a very male dominated um, industry did you feel that that you know there, there were additional barriers or additional considerations you had to make throughout your career up to that point and was like if so was Susie able to kind of advise because I imagine a lot of um, a lot of the experience of being a female in motorsport I, I imagine there's a lot of um, kind of cross-pollination where you've all gone through quite similar re restrictions because it, it, it's kind of it feels like it's going in the right direction and it feels like it's changed, but there's still obviously a long way to go, right? Definitely. I think, you know, to to be able to talk with somebody that has lived 
sort of the same issues that you have faced throughout your career and see how she looked at things because I was like really like even on on social media I was like I I really didn't wanted to um you know to sell if uh, to, to to say it like that uh, but there's a, it's a really fine line and you have to find that balance and I think talking to her really helped me to um to be able to express who I was to 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 not be afraid of uh being a, a female in the sport um it was more that side than than the um the actual performance side of things because she came from a different like background with with DTM so I was like very very focused on on the um on the single seater side and and I think it was more the other part of of racing that was that I was not considering and that is extremely important and it was the how you you market yourself um how you talk to teams and stuff like this um and and the media side I, I was only focusing on on the performance and that can bring you up until one one level but then you need the context and you need the sponsorship and I think she she really helped me see that side of things so I um there's still a lot of things that I think need to change in sport to see more more females in particular in single seaters because I think we have pretty much in like in GTs and endurance there's more and more coming but on the path to Formula One, we still need a few things to change. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we were talking to Jade Edwards the other day who races in the British Touring Car Championship and we were quite shocked at the statistic that no one, that she was the first female to race in that championship since 2007, which um, is kind of, it's kind of worrying statistic. And let's let's dive a bit deeper into this side of things then while, while we're on it. Um, the, we've got as Tom mentions, we're heading in the right direction. We've got the W Series. We've got the likes of Jamie Chadwick with Williams and yourself in Formula One. There's this new more than equal campaign, which Kate Bevan and David Coulthard are involved with. Do you think there's enough being done? Like, Do, do you actively get involved in this side of things and try and have a voice and see what else can be done? I think now we are like seeing that people want to talk about it and they want to talk and say that they're doing stuff but not enough has been done in in my opinion maybe in other series uh like that are not single seaters um i've like when i was in the fia women motorsport commission i really tried to to point like certain things like in the ergonomy side of things you know how how we sit in the car there, there were things that that needed to be changed, like our measurements needed to be taken into consideration when when they designed the cars. And I see a lot of things, a lot of those things changing, which I'm really proud of and, and happy to see them. Um, even you know the the other day I was talking to to Dalara and they were asking me about the physicality of F2 and how they want to design the new car and with like a lot of things that I was really happy to see moving forward. But I think that this, this side that has not changed is like the, the opportunities that we are giving. So, you know, how tough it is to, to be in, in a really good team in Formula 2 or in Formula 3, uh, to have the right tools, the right engineers in, in that regard and, and to give, be given the equal sort of treatment. I think that's 
until we don't change that, we're not gonna see like the results that people wanna see for a moment. And then we are being judged wrongly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the same opportunity as the voice. So that's what I wanna sort of target and hopefully we can try and, and start to change things in, in that aspect as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the missing bit, I, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, it seems to me, and this is oversimplifying it because I know it's a complex thing, but small changes, which should be relatively easy to implement, like you say, changing the, the design of a car or taking away or putting in rather power steering instead of, you know, the F3 and F2. And we've spoken to lots of female drivers and they're, they're like, if we had power, if we had power assisted steering in the junior categories, like they do in Formula One, that alone would make quite a big difference to, to what we can do because certain not all females but generally speaking there's a physicality there which um can cause an issue in the junior categories so it's it's, it's a hugely com complex um thing um but is there anything else you know are there certain things outside of the physical elements that we can be doing in the junior categories in the lead up to formula one what what's really gonna gonna move the dial on this yeah i, I believe it's it's not only the the physical side of things because like i go to a level where i can drive an f2 car and you know a lot of guys they still struggle so of course the, there is this barrier that we have to train harder and it's annoying like really I, i'm so focused and i have to do like all the diet and all the process and i have tried many different kind of training and now i finally like sort of found what what really works for me but besides the physical side, like, you know, we, we feel the car differently. We, we think differently. We have different strengths, weaknesses. And like in terms of like, for example, last weekend in Monza, I was the only one who did an extra lap to warm up my tires. And it made a huge difference for me. But I had to fight or to, to bring this issue to say, look, I don't know why, but I cannot warm my tires as quick as they do or this setup. And I just need an extra lap to just feel the grip because that's that's how I am. Or I and I need a different plan than the boys. It's just I, I don't fit there. And it takes a long a lot of confidence to sort of for them to to change the plan and to do something different. But at the end of the day, if you can prove them that, that you can do it in a different way and still come to a, a good result, it's what I think is, is also missing. Like, we are not boys. <laughs> if, even if we, if we wanted to be treated equally, we are different. And we need to find different things in the car, in the setup, um, and in the game plan. In, for qualifying for the races so that's what i think it's gonna be the the next step more than the the physical side of things that of course you know having power steering with will mean we have more time to do other things than than training but i see more to just you know that extra or the last half a second that's when everything has to come right yeah. And you have to be super confident. And that's where I hope that I can sort of get get there, get in that window mm. in my way. 
Because I think it, I think it's easy to, you know, it, we accept that. Oh, right, George Russell's about six foot ten, and and Yuki is about five foot. So you make concessions for that. Yet it seems with with other things like again making concessions based on just just anyone's physicality, like it that shouldn't be. We 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 accept that not all racing drivers are built the same yet, but but I think like anything in life, you know, when you look back fifty years, you see so much change in society. Yet you go back 50 days and it's like nothing's changed, but all these things just happen. And it's going to take, I think, lots of very small little changes, you know, increased visibility of females, you know, increased understanding of the actual problems. Because I think as well, a lot of it is just, you know, people want a simple solution, but there's, it's not a simple solution, is it? it there's, there's, yeah. so, there's so many things that affect, you know, who comes out at the end and who gets in those 20 seats in Formula One. So an infinite amount of different things. And it's just growing that understanding i think and and again like having a you know someone like yourself so visible in these you know these top tiers of like you say at the start of the formula indycar formula e you've done testing like i think that's part of it as well is just that visibility and, and seeing you on screen i think it's going to be such an inspiration to like so many young girls watching as well but what but what about i'm sorry to dwell on this but it's it's it's, it's an important subject and i think the more voice we can give it the better what what do you think then both of you, I suppose, in, about W Series, because the, I still can't make up my mind about W Series. It depends who I talk to at the time, because some people I listen to and I think, yes, W Series is the future. This is great. And then other people I talk to, I think, no, it's not. This is segregation and this is, this is not helping the cause. And OK, yeah, maybe it is because it's bums on seats and it's awareness. Where, where do you sit with this, Tatiana? What, what's your take on W Series? Yeah, you know, I've. I've not been in the inside, obviously, and I think personally for me, it goes against my DNA because I truly believe we can compete in equal terms. And some of the issues that we have discussed, they don't come up if you're against females because that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's common there. So, okay, you can, you can be as good as you want against them, but you have to face the world um, the real world out there that it's going to be tough on you, that it's it's really hard and that you have to come with confidence, with the knowledge, with the experience that other series will, will bring to you. So, of course, great. It's visibility for, for females. For uh, It's a great opportunity for those that didn't have the budget. Uh, but in a way, I also feel like it's you're making it easier. So you you just don't, you don't go to the uh, marketing agencies or, or to find sponsors because you know you have a seat yeah. and then you can get paid more than if you were there competing in Formula 3 or in Formula 2 and, and you laid down. Like you, I don't think you learn as much as if you were in other series. I think to be the best, you have to compete against the best and to push yourself and you only get to that window when you're really, you, you don't know what to do and how to get better and, and you still push yourself to, to be better. And if we had seen like Jamie competing somewhere else that she got a good opportunity in a good team in Formula 3, then I would say, okay, it's working. It's not the way I would want things to do, to, to be there. done or yeah. to be handled, but it got her there, yeah. but it didn't. So it's, yeah, I'm not fully 
I mean, it, it has it, it, its good things, but also the the same issues are are still there. So yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a deep note. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not a, it's not addressing the answers to the difficult questions, basically. So you you, you know you you racing against the boys in F two, you can get out of that car and go. Here's the reasons why this isn't functioning quite as it should because this is geared towards men. Whereas I guess in, in W Series, you get out the car coming first going, I've learned absolutely nothing about what's going to give me equality against the best in the world and the, and the boys. So it's, it's interesting. I, I, just, I just think that, you know, I, I think we can all agree that, you know, w, I don't think W Series shouldn't have to exist. But I think you've got this where you've got the whole history of, of motorsport where it's been so male dominated. I think it, there's clear value to it, but also I kind of, you know, whenever we have this conversation, I do also feel like I, I feel really sad that we're having to talk about this because, yeah. you know, Tatiana Calderon's on the podcast and we should just, you're a racing driver, you're a racing driver. Like that's what we should be talking about. Yet this is always a subject that comes up and it's like, it, it must be frustrating for you to an extent as well to be continuing to have this conversation. Not that it's not a good conversation to have because there's clearly work to be done, but we should just be talking about your driving. But instead we're having to talk about, you know, what, <laughs> you know, your, your biology, basically. Absolutely. You know, that's like uh, the way it is. And um, it's been for, for, for long. And that's why, you know, I, I want to, I am a racing driver first, uh, a female second, but it's, those issues are there and, and maybe we have to talk about them so that they become, or we see more females come into F3 and F2 and it becomes normal and teams have data and they know what to do and how to seed them and how to uh, treat them or, or how to, to make them perform at, at, at their best and and sadly it has some like you know before I, I would like just I didn't want it to talk about it and then I understood how important it was for me to to speak out loud and and to raise those issues but I hope that in the future it the question is is not is not there we are talking about tires and brakes and how the race went and the strategies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a way we have, we have to deal with it at the moment. A very quick interruption to remind you to check out our sponsors, Motus One, the event transportation company. Motus One is the industry leader in complex transport management from hospitality, talent, production crews, VIPs, and artist transport. Motus One's team have got you covered. They've also launched their leading edge cloud-based event transportation management system called Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally. Make bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs, loads more. Head over to motus1.com and hear how they can support your event transportation needs. Back to the show. Well, let's let's talk about tires and brakes and racing. So you, you've you've taken part in a load of um, different race series, and and one I wanted to touch on was one that not that many people in this country, unless they're a hardcore racing fan, has heard about, which is Super Formula in Japan, which is uh, such a cool series. And if anyone has the opportunity to watch it or has access to it, go go and watch it. I was lucky enough to spend some time in Japan, and I watched um, uh, Super Formula fairly regularly, and. 
it, the cars in that are insane. They're amazing, amazing cars. Tell us a little bit, set the scene. Like, what is that championship for those that don't know and, and how did you get involved? Yeah, in my opinion, that's the, the car that it's more similar to Formula One than any other series in the world. Those cars are rockets. They have, you know, you go down the straight flat out and you lift the throttle and that thing breaks because of the down the downforce that, that it's there. Uh, I remember racing for the first time in Suzuka. Oh my God, I was like, this feels like a video game. Honestly, the, the it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A great series. You have long races with pit stop. Um, the level is extremely high because all the Japanese, they race in Super GT and... And they do super formula as well. And they know the tracks so well. They've been there for, for 10 years, some of them. Uh, Yamamoto, I don't know how many years he's, he's raced there. So it's, it's extremely difficult. And, and just to come in as a foreigner, it was my first time in Japan, actually. And, uh, and the communication is, is very interesting. So I definitely learned as much as I did on track, uh, off track to to find out how to communicate better, uh, a different culture, but it was one of the, the greatest experience of my life, definitely. Yeah. The, the, those cars are so cool. Yeah. They are, they're, honestly, they don't get anywhere near enough, like, plaudits. Um, but if, if you, So if you're going to say, so F1 kind of being the, the, the pinnacle and then Super Formula kind of behind that, you've also obviously driven IndyCar, you've driven Formula E, You've driven Formula 2. Like, how would you... I, I want you to rank those five. Okay, so F1 Super Formula, where, where, who, what's next and in, in what order? Well, yeah, it's like... I'm so grateful I've been able to, <laughs> to experience so cool, all these love cultures and, and cars and tracks. But I would say, like, the way... Like, F2 and IndyCar are very similar in terms of, like, power and... I think the F2 has a little bit more grip than than the IndyCar, um, but the races are are so interesting in IndyCar. You know, you never know what's gonna happen. Everyone is so close together. Uh, you have three pit stops. It's the longest races on earth for the driver and for the spectator. Uh, it's the physicality of it. Um, yeah, I really had a great time in IndyCar. Um, I think in F2, everything is a little bit more, more normal. I, th I think as you are not the main course, 
like you are in IndyCar. Obviously, it feels different to to come back to F2. It's still super high level. Um, but yeah, IndyCar is, is 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 very special, and I think people are starting to look at it a little bit more now. Uh, with all the the drama, the McLaren drama, the Ganassi with Palo, and and people actually trying to jump from IndyCar to Formula One mm-hmm. again. So that is is very interesting. But yeah, I, the the street circuits in in the IndyCar calendar, it seems sometimes like I was riding a horse. That's how bumpy it was. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It also teached me a couple of lessons. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what about Formula E? I mean, yeah, that's doesn't. It's not in the t- not in your top four then. Um, you know, you miss the because I'm. I'm I'm 29. I, I still feel young, but I'm from like a different generation also. So I still, you know, I, I need the, it's still super competitive. I had a great time I, when I tested with Kichita. It's very complex for the driver to, you know, when to save energy, to break with sort of your hand, not to have gears. It's very, very different style of driving. So it doesn't really come that natural to you. And I think that's why it's not on my top. But in terms of level, it's super competitive. And at the end, you're there because you want to be competitive, right? So it's a, it's a different type. So it, it will come below F2 and, and, and IndyCar. I'm still not sure. I st- I just, I've tried so, so hard with Formula E. And I work in Formula E, so I should, I should wax lyrical about it. But I just, ugh, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the noise or the bouncing around, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really try with these new Gen Three cars, which look interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, but for the non-visual uh, uh, watchers or listeners, Tatiana's just uh, slapped her own forehead when I mentioned the design of the, the Gen Three cars. They're, they're, they're a funny-looking thing. We'll get used to them. It's fine. We'll get used to them. I just don't know. I, I'm not sure. What do you think, Tomo? Are you, are you, a, are you a fan yet? I, I, I saw, I saw a clip earlier today of one of them going up the Goodwood Hill climb. And oh, yeah. yeah, when you see it from, from certain angles, it looks it looks like scaffolding. It looks awful. But from other angles, <laughs> it actually looks quite elegant. So look, I, again, I think they're much quicker as well um, than they used to be. Uh, yeah, historically, I've not been a particular, I've, I've followed the odd race, but I'm going to give it a clean slap. I'm going to give it a fresh ch- chance for the next generation. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, enough. Tim. All right. optimistic. F- fair enough. I mean, yeah, we shouldn't. I like your it. answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to copy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> D- diplomatic. I like it. Now, um, Tatiana, you uh, have you got a sling on at the moment? What's the crack with the that, the arm? Uh, the crack with the arm. No pun intended. <laughs> um, are you going to be fit and uh, are we going to see you in Abu Dhabi? Yes, that's that's the plan. Thankfully, we have like two months. So that was like the worst thing that could happen, but the best thing at the end because I had so much time to to recover. So I think it should mm. be a month um, uh, before I can I can start like go-karting or, or do something fun again. But um, yeah, looking forward to to having another shot in, in Abu Dhabi. Good. Because yeah. how, how, how did that... Um... That F2 opportunity, because, I mean, we spoke in Miami, didn't we? And, and you were on, on the IndyCar calendar at the time. And obviously now that F2 opportunity came up. Like, how did how quickly did that man? Was it like Nick DeVries-esque, where you were just having a coffee and then boom, straight in? Sort of. It was like, never say never. Now I believe anything is possible. 
like obviously after we lost the the IndyCar ride, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be out for six months. I still want to do like single single seaters, but I would definitely jump in in whatever they they propose me and and um we we shoot everywhere for for sponsorship and my sister knew somebody in the music business because she said like you know if maybe an artist wants to sponsor us you know we have the full car initially it was for indycar we were planning to come back to indycar and then like three days later this big colombian artist she's called carol g uh she started following me on instagram and i sent her a dm and that's how we all sort of started. So wow. she has a manager who's her um, her sister. And then they got in contact with my sister. And then this opportunity of F2 came with uh, Telmex. They were like, I think there is a seat there, but we need to like act like this. And then I was like sitting back home in Colombia. And they told me like, maybe you should take a flight today. It was a Saturday. And then I, I went, I took the flight and then two days later I was in spa doing my seat fit. So I believe in anything is possible and I'm super grateful with, with Charus and, and Carol G and, and Telmex for making this, this opportunity come alive for me. It's a roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, motorsport is not good for the heart. You know, one minute you think I'm just going to be sitting on my ass for six months. Next minute, you're, you're literally the next minute on a plane to spa ridiculous what, what does the future hold I, I know a lot of your your career you know hinges on sponsorship and raising funds to keep racing do, do you have a clear path into 2023 no sadly i don't know what's gonna happen um like you said it depends on on, on sponsorship obviously um i would like to to remain in single seaters for for as long as i can because that's what I like most, obviously, you know, I, I love doing Le Mans and, and Daytona and these races, but I think there's more time after single seaters to, to do that. So my main focus is to, to try and remain in single seaters and let's see what, what the future holds in, in 2023. So of all the single seaters, I guess kind of, let's put F1 to one side because you've, you've had so much experience in so many different types of single seaters. I guess not not necessarily which do you want to race in the most, but which type of car do you feel that has got the best out of you and you've enjoyed and had that real sense of belonging with a certain type of car the most? I would say with with the environment, I I loved IndyCar. Um, really, just the tire is a little bit more it's easier to understand than maybe some of the other tires that I've raced and people there are like happy to, to make a different plan for, for females. I think they're, they're more used to having females. So it, it, it comes more natural to them. So I, I think I re- I really had a, a great time there. So who knows, you know, there are still like, Scott Dixon has done like 20 years. They're still very competitive. <laughs> he's, and it's a couple of years older than me. So there is still hope for me to, to return home yeah. to the States. Yeah, we're we're, we're the same age. Are you? So we're still young, Tatiana. We're the same age. Yeah, we're still young. Exactly. We're only 29, all right? 29. God, oh, it's so depressing. I'm so <laughs> old. I'm not even going to mention how old I am. It's an absolute <laughs> shambles. Come on. 41, Tatiana. 41. One. You don't look 41. That's very kind of you to say. That's a good re- good response, Tatiana. Well yeah. done. Well done. <laughs> You've been well prepped. 
Um, now, we, we actually had some listener questions, but we, we've pretty much covered them. Amy Cousins sent in about the transition of IndyCar to uh, F2. We sort of covered that. Lord's Brewing. Hello, John and the gang at Lord's Brewing. Um, they were talking about uh, being a female racing in most sports. So that's been covered. One question that's not been covered yet uh, from Center Sports. Um, who's the best driver you've ever shared a track with? I think it was Max Verstappen, definitely. It's got to be. I mean, yeah. you could see his car control is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kid, since the very beginning, it's just impressive. Yeah. Is someone knocking at your door, desperately trying to come in? Are you being broken into? I'm sorry. Or is there work uh, going on? They, they are, they're <laughs> making, um, uh, how do you call that in English? Re Reef. Redoing one of the apartments in my oh, like building. A, a refurbishment, so yeah. Annoying. We just had a break of like 45 minutes. Yeah. So we should be very lucky. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We've done well. We've done well to get just to Just making sure you're safe. Yeah. No, no one's breaking in. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no one's coming to <laughs> get me out of this. No. So we're going to have some horrible sort of horror, horror scene unfolding before our very eyes. Um, Tatiana, we, we've we've kept you for long enough, but we do have um, a final three questions that we fire at everybody. These are brought to us by our sponsors at Motus One. Um, uh, Tom, why don't you kick off this week? Sure. So, Tatiana, what's got you most excited at the moment? Could be racing related or just life related. Um, honestly, like being sponsored by an artist. I bought this. Oh, oh wow! Look at oh, that—a karaoke. <laughs> mic. It will rain in a couple of hours, but I'm 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 a fan of her music now. But let's just say that <laughs> that is very cool. That as sponsors go, that's a very very cool sponsor to have. Very it different is. as well. I like very that. different. Yeah, really a genius idea. To be fair, um, if you weren't a racing driver, what would you be doing? I I had to choose between racing and tennis. So I think maybe I, I would have won the US Open just uh, yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Confident. I like that. <laughs> uh, I wish. Yeah. And then final yes. question, Tatiana, what are you scared of? I'm super scared of needles. Oh, oh God. Good one. It took me like when I was like 18, I got my first blood test. But before I even had to look for the, you know, for the RH to see if I was O positive or what it was. I just like research because I was like too scared of needles. Yeah, that I, I can get on board with that. Not a fan of needles myself. Um, yeah, yeah, don't like them. I, I, I'm going to throw in one more. I'm going to throw in a fourth. Why not? Um, what are you absolutely shit at like what what are you crap at if if your sister for example could be like tatiana is terrible at what would it be i don't dance very well i like to sing but i cannot dance so i i think that's my next step of uh you know reggaeton moves because she she's from that reggaeton and urban style or artist so yeah, I suck at dancing, unfortunately. Yeah, she might pull you out on stage, so yeah. you got to learn. <laughs> she's like, uh, you know, people assume that because I'm from Colombia, oh, yeah, you got rhythm. a great dancer. Yeah. And I'm like, no way, no way. So It's not I'll just because I'm English. 
Just because I'm English doesn't mean I like tea. Tea's horrible. Tea's amazing. <laughs> nah, you don't it's like horrible. tea. It's disgusting. Fish and chips. Terrible. Uh, How can you not like tea? Like Everyone likes tea, surely. No, no, no. I, I don't Coffee? toe the line, Tim. Co- coffee. Coffee's nice. No, nah. Oh, no. No, I don't drink hot drinks. Yeah, I'm weird like that. You're a weirdo. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but in Colombia, do they? Oh wait, Colombian tea—that's a thing, isn't it? Is that? Uh, we have coffee. Your coffee, a Colombian coffee, right? Coffee, so, yeah. so do you drink? Tea? If you were to have a tea, what would you? Would it be a milky tea, like a British tea? Yes, or like because of because I was in Japan, the matcha there was mm. not that not bad. So. Japan Japan's an amazing country. Absolutely bonkers. I've ne- I've never felt so alien being somewhere in all my life. Really <laughs> weird. They when I was there, they they made me eat a hairy crab. It was the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. It, and it was like a burger. They gave that I they brought it out on a platter alive and said pick one and I pointed at one and they took it away. 5 minutes later they brought it back looking exactly the same and you pick it up it's covered in coarse black hair. And you eat it like a burger. It was the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. But apart from that, but I didn't. I didn't. Oh my! (laughs) Tatiana didn't go to that restaurant. (laughs) Oh wait, or was it? No wait. That sounds horrific. It might. It might have have been China. It might have been Shanghai actually. But either way, I'm pretty sure it was China. (laughs) Yeah, I think. I think it was China. Come to think of it, it may have been China. Yeah, hairy crab, Shanghai. It's a thing. Yeah, I was like. Japan? Yeah. No. But there are some weird foods in Japan. They love a, they love a raw creature. Mm. One time we were with mine, he's like watching these very beautiful fishes and we looked around and then the fish was on our plate and no. we were like, oh no. no. Don't like it. No. Don't like fish. Don't really. No. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Well, who would have thought that we'd go off in this direction? Um, anyway, look, Tatiana, we've kept you long enough, but um, all the best with your recovery. I hope it's it's swift and we, we see you in Abu Dhabi. I'll be in Abu Dhabi, so I'll come and tap on your shoulder and um, say hello. But all the best with your recovery the rest of the season. Fingers crossed for sponsorship um, for 2023. If anyone out there is looking for an interesting rights holder to partner with, tap up Tatiana. Um, for now... Thank you for joining us on the Motor Mouth podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Um, um, I, I will follow you guys. Uh, we met in, in Miami Grand Prix, so I uh, look forward to seeing you on in, in Abu Dhabi and uh, keep the, the good work. So thank you. Hi, everyone. Don't leave us just yet. We've got a special feature with two very important people. Now, as regular listeners will know, we've got a new sponsor of the show at the moment, which means a great deal to all of us. Motus One is not just the leading transportation company in the Middle East for major events, including Formula One and Formula E. Not only is it rapidly taking over the global market, but its founder, Dana, was one of my very best friends, and he sadly passed away last year completely unexpectedly, leaving an entire community in shock. We're taking the time to speak to his wife, Claudia, who's now part of the leadership team at Motus One, and Fahad, who was like a brother to Dana and is now the chairman of the business. We wanted to record this segment to pay tribute to Dana, but also showcase the amazing things our sponsors and the business is doing. Claudia, Fahad, welcome to this special portion of the show. Great to have you both here. How are you? Hello. Hi, hi, Tim. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So where are you dialing in from today? You look like you're in an office of some sort. Absolutely. We're in UAE in Dubai in our head office. 
um, drinking tea and talking to you. Drinking tea is the way to do it. I'm going to reach for a beer in a minute, I think. Um, Claudia, Claudia let's, um, let's come to you first. Um, we were keen for our listeners to learn a little bit more about the sponsors that we have on the show. As all our listeners know, um, sponsors are absolutely vital for us in terms of our survival. It's what keeps us going and bringing the content to everyone. So I think it'll be interesting for people to learn a little bit more about you both and also the business itself. So first of all, Claudia, just tell us a little bit about your roots. Where was home? I know you're in the UAE now, but it wasn't always that way, was it? Oh, God. How long do you have? How long do we have for the story? You take all the uh, time you need. Yeah. Um, I'm originally South African, but I have lived here for 22 years, and I would definitely consider UAE to be my home. Um, and then, of course, Dana was from the States. And even for him, when he first came over here in Abu Dhabi, I remember him saying, who lives here? What is this? You know. And within two years, he fell in love, and he wanted to live here forever. 22 years. I didn't even know that. And I've known you for a while. 22 years. That's amazing. Um, Fahad, um, for, those, for those that can't see Fahad, well, no one can see Fahad because this is going out audio only. But <laughs> Fahad is, is an Emirati um, local and he's, he's sitting there in all the garb and the gear looking extremely sophisticated. Fahad, what was your, uh, your, your younger years like? What's your, where are your roots? Where, where were they laid down? For me, it's not like I was like the, at the army at the beginning, like at the navies, we start like military because the background, my family, it is like a military stuff. Until like the day 2008, as I just decided like to join, to be like a volunteer because it was like a big host for our country to host like one of the, the biggest, uh, the World Cup club to host it in Abu Dhabi. And it was like the first time they're going to host it. So I saw it. This is the part I need to be a part of this uh, legend. So at that moment, when I was like going to be like a volunteers, I met him. <laughs> and both of us, we came from like a military stuff. So there was like a connection between us at that time. Yeah. So from that days, we never like left each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really were like brothers. Now, now, before we come on to the business in more detail, Claudia, we, are you a fan of motorsport? Is is there an interest there in Formula One and Formula E now that you've worked in it a little? Uh, absolutely. I think for me, it is just the speed and then learning how much it really takes, you know, how many calories they burn, how much they have to exercise to make it. Um, and I always tell people the story, even just getting to know the drivers a bit more. I remember back in the day, even Lewis Hamilton, when he first came to Abu Dhabi, there was kind of like a, not a rumor, but, you know, a vibe about him that people thought he was standoffish. He was, he was the greatest with his fans. He spent hours and hours signing autographs, inspiring the kids that came in line. And to see this kind of, you know, atmosphere within the sports industry, it's wonderful. Yeah, no, for sure. And Fahad, same to you, I suppose. I mean, motorsport has become bigger and bigger in the Middle East. We've got Yasmarina Circuit, Dubai Autodrome. Are, are you a fan? Are you following it? It is, man. Uh, it's, I start like uh, doing like the autocross before, like I know him. Like when I was like too young and like crazy a little bit, I was like doing like all He's the still, the, young, uh, crazy. still young and crazy. <laughs> like, all the autocross, and I was like doing like all the speeds, like trying like to beat the guys who's gonna modify like all the cars and like to be like the best, you know. Especially like the, at the back of the days, we we didn't have like any truck. Not like now, it's like more safeties, like the government, they are like funding on you to be like a proper professional uh, resource. It's not like before, but 
the the engines, the motorsport, it is like on the road, on the blood itself. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see it um, getting so big out there. And, and having um, experienced Yas Marina Circuit for myself, it's a fantastic venue, isn't it? And I, I'd encourage anyone to go out there and, and check it out. Now, Claudia, let's take it right back to the to the start of the business. Um, I, I don't know whether it's, it's better coming from you or Fahad, this one, but where did the idea for Motus One first come about? How was it born? And this one's I'm going to start, like, because it yeah. came, it came, like, when, when I... Like met him at the at the first time, two thousand and eight. We start to be like walking uh, together on these events until the day that we left the event and we start working with Dubai Parks. From Dubai Parks, like we was like having the plans. Okay, what we need because now we almost knows like the the clients. We knows like the people, and they always coming to us to help them on the plan because we was like an employee and they're like semi-government to buy parts. Then 2017, when it licked, I told him, you know what? This is the time for us mm-hmm. and we should take that step. So immediately we took that step. He put like everything, the, the case study, all the financials. And suddenly we had the friends to call and it was like the first event that we run it. It was WWE from the States. We run it in Saudi. That's the, the first big event. Then from there, so immediately we start like growing up, me and him yeah. at that time. And sorry, Tim, I just want to add on this too. You know, it's amazing to see because Fahad and Dana, they are really yin and yang. You need yeah. both of them, you know, to form this. And the beauty of it is that they both came from the heart. They were watching what was happening in the industry. There's a lot of great companies out there, but no one was running it with that environment, that family heart style, you know, and it was the two of them that made this out of nothing. Yeah. And, and how, how does Dana's um, legacy live on with the business? Is, is, are there things, are there elements within the business that, that are still very much him? Uh, this is where we say this, like today's when we deliver we have to deliver it like on the good ways because the both of us, when we came like from the militarist uh, backgrounds, we need to make sure it's like everything's smooth and to let the client at the end, it's like happy, you know, it's like today's how you win the clients and how to make the succeed on the event itself. Because today, any succeed that the client will, will have, it, it will be like matching for all. You know, it's not just like the company or Montes One itself that did. No, today, if you run like any succeed, it will be for all. You know, that's his legacy. And that's why we try and like always to keep it the same levels. Because when we promise the, the, the client, we should deliver. Yeah. This is what he says. We have to deliver as we promised the clients. And I think the other part too is just the sense of humor. You know, Fahad and Dana, when they're together, ooh. It's a good time, man. You know, and if you look all over the office, like even these posters behind us is from him. You know, we always keep that sense of camaraderie. You got to work hard, but you also have to have fun while you're doing it, you know? Now, tell us about the up-to-date Motus One. Um, where are you operating? Um, what's your purpose? I, I know that um, you try and go above and beyond the the just the delivering of the projects. I think I saw on, on uh, social media you were in India recently and, and um, doing some talks and you've won awards. Um, education around transportation is important. What, what's the current purpose of the business? What, what do you see is your thing at the moment? Well, I will start just a quick, then she's going to lead on that oh, one. Go ahead, uh, sir. So 
He says, like when we start like the company, he says, if we're going to open the company, we need to make sure this is going to be like the number one. And that's why now when we, we start like the first event in Saudi and we start saying, okay, the Saudi, it is a big market, especially now all the company, they are running to Saudi to do like the big events. Then we start, okay, now how we can grow up more to be like internationals. And now we already link with like Formula Ones, Formula E, NBA itself, WWEs. We're trying to be like more global and international to deliver. Because today, when we deliver the first event, the client immediately like fell in love with us. And that's why they saw like we are like more as like a white glove surface to give them like even whatever they think we are like head of the games to make sure it's like we're going to give it to them it's not just even like a transportation even we help them with the government we help them even like a personal things we become like their friends we become like their families today when you build your company it's not just like a business i'm going to take the profit and i'm walk away from it no you create the family the family with the client, the family with your staff, how to grow up because this is the succeed. When you win, the people around you, you win everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you're obviously trying to to change the game and step up the whole industry. Claudia, tell us about your your tech. You've got this uh, this ride tech that you've you've built in house. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think, again, this is something that, you know, is a part of the Dana legacy that lives on. He always was very much interested, of course, from Atari days, uh, in how we can make things better for not only for the guests, but also for a business perspective. So Ride was born out of this idea, you know, uh, Kareem, Uber, these kinds of apps, they cater more for the guests. But what if there was this kind of technology for a company to then be able to see, okay, I have requested this amount of fleet from you. Where is it and what's it doing? How many trips actually have been done? Can I call this driver? Can I, you know, reassign? So the exciting part for me about Ride is that, you know, it gives you that control, that level of overview, but it also can adapt to whatever software you are currently using. So even if you take FIFA, for example, they might already have a software base that they're, um, you know, publishing and Ride can then just get together with that system and talk. So it's very interesting for us. Um, And we in India now, we're also looking more, at the customer service levels, you know, how can we use technology, even for things like when you come to the car park and you want to see where to go next, is there a way that instead of scanning a QR code and it's a 2D, something that pops up, could it be 3D or 4D? So this is the next level that we're trying to explore. It's very exciting. It is, especially like the last visit we did it in India, it was like a big thing for us. Like today, how you how to become like a, the head of the games, like to be like in front of everyone's with the technology. Today's everyone's waiting for the technology to do everything, to help the client even to plan it, to design it for them. And that's why we are preparing for the future. We are preparing some things. Everyone's going to say is wow on us. Yeah. So hope we're going to see it soon and we everyone's going to see it. And, and talking of the future, what is the future for the business? What's the what's the what's the goal? What's the end game? Where where are we going to see Motus One in ten or fifteen years time? Flip flop Fridays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for us, the main things is like our goal is like always to keep the client happy. This is when you grow up. The day that the client is not happy about the service, the day there is something wrong on us, 
and how to improve it. Because today is not just like us, like on the, man- the, the management itself. We have to be on the ground to see it's like, what is the requirement? What is the improved that the client need or the people need to improve it? Otherwise, if you sit on the office and plan it as like the executive teams, then you find like your employee are working on the ground. There is something missing. You always want to be on the ground to see is like how to improve it, how to make the service much like much easier, smooth service for the clients. Everyone's happier. To keep that goal, the client is the goal. It's like once we win the client, then you will be like a global. For us, it's, there is a bigger dreams which I like to approach it. And what we see it now on the ground, we are almost there. Every client, they are happy. Every client, they are giving us like more work because they trust us. The thing is, when you when the clients trust the trust you, then you're gonna deliver. Then you're gonna make sure it's like you you will not sleep. Because if you say it's like I'm gonna sleep like a day, like eight hours, that's wrong. You are in the wrong business, especially with the transportation. <laughs> transportation is first in, last out, isn't it? It's it's yes, hard. That's work. the big thing, you know. Yeah. That's the hard work. And this is where we have to be ahead of the game. It's not just like a transportation, which I like to go a different route also to make like the requirement. Because we see when you work with a client, you see there is many things the client needed. And that's why you think, okay, let's let's open another business to let the client to come in one like a one-stop shop. Yeah. And Tim, you know, the other part on this you mentioned before about education, you know, I think a huge part for us is that wherever we go, we're also trying to leave behind knowledge and self-sustenance, sustainability. I don't know what to say. But, you know, just when we have come to new regions, oftentimes people just don't understand what event transportation really is. So when they're coming, you know, even as a marshal, they think that my position is just to stand here. That's it. And for us, it's really important to empower and say that, no, this is your area. Take charge. And for them to understand that there are systems that you can grow from a marshal, you know, to a supervisor, all the way to management. And what you do is important and matters. People often think that events are just events, but they're the things that bring people together. They are huge moments in our history, you know, and I want the people that work with us to understand that we're here. We're here to make that difference, you know? And and the main things is like today, we are not like like the other company. Today, we are a family company. If anyone's joined Montes Ones, it's a part of the family. We trust everyone. We hear everyone because everyone had the idea. We just need to trust him. He's like a part of the family to bring that the, the family together. You know, so it's not just like an employee. There is no title in our company. It's like everyone at the same levels. Yeah. To deliver. Yeah, no, it's it's great and it's brilliant to see your growth. And I know that you're um, you're recruiting for various positions at the moment. So um, if anyone out there is looking for work, um, not just in the UAE, but you you were operating in the likes of Miami at the Formula One there as well. So do get in touch um, with the guys. It's been brilliant chatting to you both. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck with the future and the growth. I know you've got lots going on. You're at the Saudi event show on the 19th and 20th of September. So assuming this goes out before then, see the guys there. Um, we'll, um, we'll put contact details for you um, all over this. If you need event transportation, you know where to come. The lovely people at Motors One. Claudia, oh, thanks so much for joining <laughs> us on the show. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thank you so much for the time.
Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MNTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumours quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.